In my mind, I've always thought you make your own luck, even though there's definitely luck points. There are definitely yep. like chance meetings that happen, but most of the time it's mindset and hard work, right? Uh, and the whole you don't know if you don't ask. Welcome to Breaking the Binary, brought to you by Newcastle Women and Gender Diverse People in Tech. We're your hosts, Anna Jarrett and Sarah Fraser. And what are we talking about today, Sarah? Well, it's one of my favourite topics, so I'm really excited for this <laughs> your one. Your favourite? Yeah, one of my favourites up there. It's one of my favourite parts of the group, at least, which oh. is, it's it's you. Oh, so well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> That's so nice. Okay, well, first off, um, we'd like to acknowledge the Wabakal and Waramai people, um, whose traditional lands we're recording on today. We repay respect to the elders past, present and emerging of the Awabakal and Waramai people and extend that respect to all First Nations Australian on whose traditional lands you are listening from today. The other thing we do at the start of our podcast is thank our sponsors. So that's Nui Tech People. We're in their uh, recording studio. We love Nui Tech People. Also shout out to Jenea because she helps a lot. Uh, secondly, the Port of Newcastle and, of course, MGA Thermal, who you'll learn more about today. Yay. Awesome. Well, that's all you've done, you know. That's your script of <laughs> That's it. I can... It's over to me. Um, I'm doing a podcast alone for the first time. How exciting. Um, we've got yeah, some... I can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some quick fire questions to start off with. Uh, what are your pronouns? Um, she and they. What is a random fact about you? Uh, so I think we can agree that a lot of neurodiverse people have lots of random things about them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the one that I've picked is that when I was, I think I was 14, I marched in the Calgary Stampede playing trombone. Mm. So that is a marching band in Calgary, which is in Canada. I'm glad you gave that much context because when you first <laughs> told me that fact, I was like, is that it? The farm thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also um, as part of that tour, um, it was I went to the Hunter School of Performing Arts, and it was the marching band tour. We also went to Disneyland in LA, and that was also one of my favorite performances because the crowd was just so enthusiastic. Wait, so you performed at in Disneyland, Disneyland yeah. and you and instead you used Calgary Stampede? <laughs> well, for me, it's a is it a bigger deal? I feel like it was a bigger deal, but I did enjoy the Disneyland performance. I I mean, it probably is for people yes. who are in the know about marching bands, but I know what one of them is, and it's not the Calgary Stampede. <laughs> All right, noted. I'll use Disneyland next time. All right. Something you're proud of? Uh, so I've been working a lot um, recently, although for the last couple of years, just on strength and gym and everything like that. And um, I know you know that about me, Sarah, because when we meet up, you'll be like, and how's gym going? And then watch me talk about it for 15 minutes. Um, but I'm a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud that recently I've been able to do um, a backdrop into like a, a bridge. So one of those fancy I can also do a headstand and mm. this week my PT um helped me do an extra five kilos on my PB in squats so that's now 75 so Ooh. shout out to PTs also a backdrop into a bridge is not you doing like a backflip onto a physical bridge structure it's 
Yeah, so imagining like sit, yeah. standing yeah. up and yeah. then you like bend all the way down and then oh, your hands touch the ground. Like a little bit like The Exorcist, but make it fit. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I haven't started like walking upside down like that yet, but you know, it's coming. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> all right. How do you relax on your days off? Um, I really like doing jigsaw puzzles at the moment, mm. but I go through these phases. Uh, and I also love hanging out with my cat. So I think we have very similar um, free time. <laughs> what are my plants? <laughs> sometimes do a little bit of painting. Um, so sometimes, yeah, actually I'd love to get into more historical costuming. Nice. Yeah, yes. Because I then, I, last time I had an inkling to do it and I wanted to like dive head first into it because it was a long weekend and then I was like, no, I have to edit the podcast. Yay. So, it, yeah, <laughs> less free time now thanks to the podcast, but, you know, no regrets. That's all right. Our, our six listeners love us, so it's fine. <laughs> there are more than six now. Yes. This is the third episode and we're recording it as like knowing now that this is the next episode to come out. Yeah. We've got some interviews prepared for later, but we do have more than six listeners. Look at us go. Yeah. We're, we're reaching for the stars. Maybe in, maybe on YouTube we only have <laughs> a handful. But on the podcast platforms, we're going all right. Nice. So what's your tech? Right. Uh, clean tech or climate tech. Nice. I like yeah. that you can just add tech to anything these days and people will go, yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a technology. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> So what is it that you do in the clean tech space? I'm the marketing manager at MGA Thermal and MGA Thermal, going into my marketing manager spiel here, MGA Thermal is making 24-7 renewables a reality. So we've got a breakthrough thermal energy storage technology, which um, one of the founders invented uh, and that's really at the crux of what we do. We manufacture that material and we've designed a thermal energy storage system to go around it. And that's going to store energy as heat so that we can use it to have renewables at any point throughout the day. So at night when the sun doesn't shine and also to create clean steam for industry heat. So there's a lot of industrial processes like paper, food, brewing, mineral refinement, uh, all of which which are assen essential for our growth, uh, but they require heat. And at the moment that's coming from um, dirty sources like coal and gas. Nice. So you're, you know, helping the, helping the green transition of the world. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's a really exciting place to be in. So I know we'll probably jump into it um, in a minute, <laughs> but I was one of the well, I was the first paid non-founder and so oh. just to be part of it from the start uh, and especially in how we communicate what we do has yep. been pretty exciting. Yeah. So where did you start in this then? If you've, if you've been here from the start, which is really exciting, how do people get in on an early stage of a startup that actually turns out to be a success? <laughs> uh, yeah. So a bit of a journey. I and I guess it goes back to how I picked my degree. Uh, I ended up doing business and commerce, majoring in innovation, entrepreneurship and economics. But I was looking at 
different types of tech and engineering and even fine arts at the National Arts School. Bit of variety there, yeah. Yeah, and just they <laughs> told me at the National Arts School, like I did the interview, which I was surprised about because I thought, you know, it's not much of a money-making career. I'll put it a bit far down my preferences. Mm. But I got an interview and they were like, you know, you get in, you just need to make sure that I didn't realise they could see my preferences and that I got really embarrassed. <laughs> They're like, just think about it if you want to come. And then logistically I was like, well, it's going to cost heaps of money to live in Sydney and it's yeah. going to cost, um, you know, this much per year for the degree and then there's, you know, less likelihood of having a job at the end uh, and what other career prospects there. Uh, I also wanted to enjoy my university experience and yep. I knew that I could do – one of the ones I was interested in was going into pure maths, but I <laughs> <laughs> kind of thought maybe I wouldn't enjoy my experience as much. That's good foresight, you know. Yeah. That's, uh, math is fine, um, but is it fun? Mm. Can I do other <laughs> things with my life at the same time? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, chose business. And then after, it was probably about six months, uh, I realised that I'd just add commerce to my degree, which is only an additional year at Newcastle University Yeah, um, because a lot of the subjects overlap. And I had a few lecturers there who I think I did pick their subjects, um, but they were essentially like, you're good at this. You should like do this as a major. Uh, so that's how I got into those. Now within that, uh, particularly in innovation, there were a few different um, opportunities that I took while I was at university. And one of them of particular relevance was the innovation entrepreneurship trip I took to Singapore. And so that was in collaboration with Slingshot. Uh, and yeah, we went to Singapore for two weeks as part of the holidays of university. So, you know, no break for us. And nice. we. <laughs> I think we had like two or three days off maximum. Like we worked the whole time. But we got to see all of these really cool things that were happening in Singapore. And Singapore's um, such an amazing nation that's come really far in a really short amount of time compared to the rest of the world. And they're investing so much into innovation to say, what are we going to do next? Yeah. Like where we don't now don't have a path to follow. We need to lead the way. And now we're investing things. So... We met heaps of people and one of the people I met at a co-working space, um, I had my little business cards. Everyone, oh, I've never had a business card. It sounds nice. <laughs> I had one as a student, um, but at the time I was also the president of the Business and Commerce Student Association, so that helps. Oh, goodness. Um, El and Presidente. Yeah. <laughs> it's also when you introduce yourself to people, it's like an offering, like it's an opportunity as well. So it's something to anchor yourself on. But when I introduced myself to this person, I said, hey, if you're ever in Newcastle, we'd love to host you because your story's so inspirational and lots of other students would, um, yeah, love to learn more about what you've done. Uh, and we connected on LinkedIn and they then uh, messaged me and were like, well, there's this other group in Newcastle who I'm told should get a business intern. Uh, and that was, um, I was introduced to Alex Post from MGA Thermal. And so yeah. that was back in 2018, that trip. And then met Alex at the end of 2018. And we discussed what it would look like. Uh, and my internship portion of that in my final year of university was when we went to the CSIRO on program. And that's uh, where I met you. I remember it. Well, 
but yeah, it was really that chance meeting and mm. um, this same connector had met Alex somewhere else and MGA being a very early stage startup uh, and engineering based didn't have any business experience or knowledge and this is one of the things that I could do and get myself experience um, along the way. One of the little goals I had at university was to have a job at the end. Oh, so that's my a final really smart year, goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in my final year, I was like, well, I guess the final two years because I was like, I have to have an internship because mm. I know that's key to getting a role. Mm. And I also knew, like, I was a good student and yep. I did get good grades, uh, but I also knew that it's not about your grades. Tons of people graduate with business degrees. What else have you got? going for you. The resume bling, as my mother used to tell me, get that resume bling. Yeah. And someone said to me, uh, if it's a choice between having straight HDs or having credits plus everything else, you want the plus everything else because, you know, you have experience as demonstration, even if you haven't, you know, been paid for that work, um, it puts you up on the scale compared to someone else. So... I was the president of the Business Commerce Student Association and then, um, I mean, a a couple other things. Um, But I got that role with MGA, the internship, and at the end of that or the start of 2020, I then negotiated what it would look like if I worked for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they they were like, sure thing, get on board. Yeah, it was it was a strange interview because yeah. I came to them with questions and I was <laughs> interviewing them yeah. and I remember saying who would be my manager and they kind of looked around and Eric was like, well, it would be good for Alex, so Alex mm. can do it. That is, you know, yes, that is feels out of the ordinary, but it is always important to remember that when you're going for an interview, like it's very much also about you sussing out whether you want to work for the company mm. as much as it is trying to prove your worth to them. Yeah. Well, it was so early stage, like the potential um, was just so exciting. Yeah. Uh, and same with career growth. Like when you're one of the first people um, in a company, uh, you have the opportunity to help shape and guide and, um, yeah, just be there from the start. So really glad I did that, especially now since things are looking really exciting yeah, still. Much bigger now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's all about that connection piece that we've discussed as well, like putting yourself out there, meeting people, Mm -hmm. um, networking, just generally being a nice human being and Mm -hmm. then that coming around to what feels like luck as you've stumbled upon this great opportunity. But it was actually a fair bit of preparation and effort as well to to go out there and take those first steps. Yes. Well, we've always, in my mind, I've always thought, you make your own luck, even though there's definitely luck points. There are definitely like chance meetings that happen, but most of the time it's mindset and hard work, right? Uh, And the whole you don't know if you don't ask and put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a terrifying but unfortunate reality. (laughs) (laughs) So what have been some of the challenges in your career then? Yeah, I started, as I said, as the first paid non-founder and I also started the business development officer, Uh, but I was the only woman in the company for two years. Uh, So as you could probably extract, that's one of the reasons why we started this group. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of the other engineers that came on board, they're amazing, really, really great. Uh, But 
as a project a product of Newcastle Uni's diversity. Uh, all of the engineers who were doing PhDs with Eric or completed um, PhDs on the MGA thermal material um, with Eric supervising them um, were men. So as we continued to expand and bring on this expertise, I was still the only woman. You know, things were a little bit tough there in the middle. It was a little bit hard to get used to being the only woman in the room. Sometimes I'd find that I could, you know, mention things that weren't necessarily getting the same impact as as if someone else mentioned them. Uh, And that can be difficult. Uh, But there was definitely came a point when I had had enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and that probably came during the second lockdown when I guess everyone had enough. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a good time in yeah. which to just have enough. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was already. I mean, I guess it was already hard, and then adding the lockdown on top, and then it was just like you know. Yeah. So during that time, I wrote a rather large diversity and inclusion report. Yep. Uh, and that was another one of the reasons that I love working in a startup because it's so diverse. You can do in like breadth of work as long as it's aligned with company priorities. And particularly early on, I could choose where those priorities were and where I saw the most need. And at this time I was like, there's a fair amount of need here. Yep. Uh, and so I wrote this report and uh, followed through some of the actions and yeah, we've had a significant increase in our diversity in all factors uh, and, you know, we have a very active um, DEI committee, um, mm-hmm. which I chair and really I just, it's a lovely place to be now. Yeah. Um, so it's fantastic to see that happen and also fantastic to see or to hear the input and the comments from people who uh, work there and have experienced the shift or haven't, uh, but, yeah, just love being there and can be themselves. What are some of the actions that you put as part of this plan if you're happy to share with everyone else? Like if, mm. if I'm a business leader or someone in a business that wants to do something like this to execute, to make it a more diverse workplace, what kind of things should I be thinking about doing? There's a lot of layers. So there's not just one simple fix. There's many things such as what external signals are you putting out? And if you're looking to hire women, but you're not having women applicants, why is that? Um, And that could be because how you've worded the job ad. Never use the word rock star, even if there's a fire and the only way to put out the fire is to write the word rock star in a job advert. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Uh, But there is masculine and feminine coded language and the research shows that if something's masculine coded or heavily masculine coded, that women tend not to apply, whereas if something's strongly feminine coded, it doesn't make a difference um, for men applying. So... There's factors like that. There's factors like job design. Uh, Is that actually something that someone who has care responsibilities and statistically women are more likely to have care responsibilities, um, would that job be flexible for them? Uh, And then for me working in marketing, are you publishing images of people working in your environment where people can see themselves there? So if I was a woman looking at working somewhere and I look at their uh, LinkedIn page and all I see are men, 
whether or not I realise it, there's going to be something in my head that's like, I don't know if I if I would fit in. I don't know if I can see myself working there. Yeah, and that's, subconscious signals. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it's like all of these unconscious biases that happen uh, within like hiring processes and within um, marketing and um, any of the external signals the company put out that can actually influence um, who are applying. So we're also focused on creating an environment where people want to be. Well, recently we put out a piece that was talking about how everyone's brains are different and that's a good thing. Uh, so that can be because of experience. It could be because of background. Um, but something else we talk about in our workplace is neurodiversity. Uh, as someone who is autistic, um, it is uh very helpful to have a place where I can lie on the floor if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> Supportive environment, yes, that's important. Yeah, and um, it's funny that I, I mean, all of the accommodations that autistic people, um, you know, thrive with uh, help everyone else thrive. Yep. Uh, so just a little bit of flexibility. Um, I don't use fluorescent lights uh, and... Yeah, being able to lie on the floor in the middle of the day, work from home days yeah. is also awesome. It's good. No one likes fluoro lights. No one comes into an office and is like, hell yeah, my brain is going to feel great at the end of the day. <laughs> I think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, look, I haven't. That's not my experience either. <laughs> so what do you love the most about your role now or your side projects? Mm -hmm. Not making you pick between your job and, and this, obviously, mm. but if you had to pick one. <laughs> okay. No, I'm going to answer this in two ways. At the moment, I love that how where I'm putting my energy in my life are aligned with my values. Um, so I've got the sustainability side and MGA, uh, and that's also a bit of creativity in there too. Uh, and I've got the inclusion side in this um, factor, which also has a bit of creativity as well. Or, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast edit, I'm sure there's yeah, some creative parts to it. There's a fair bit of creative editing <laughs> to string this together into coherent sentences. Um, so yeah. thanks, Arden, for that. <laughs> we are recording on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're doing great. Yeah. And the other part um, of how I'm answering that is I love working for MGA because of the difference and the variation of work I get to do. So um, the wear many hats, it's being a startup. There's so many parts um, of like a role or parts of the company that I get to work on. Um, and that's changed over time, obviously, because the company has grown. Um, but even as the marketing manager now, one of the things I'm really starting to mull over is that we have a pilot plant um, a demonstration unit that's going to be finished uh, very soon. Uh, and that is a really key milestone for investors to invest in a fundraise, which should be significant in size. And also for our customers to see that it works at scale. So the marketing is then shifting from a brand trust factor for investors to actually selling to customers, which is Quite a big change. It is. That's exciting though. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, I do everything. Like the website, if you look the MGA website up now, I've done the website. I do the posters and graphic design. Um, I do the headshots. I do the copywriting. I do the blog writing. I do, like 
There's so many factors. Yes, it's got an MGA logo on it, including this banner behind us. Uh, you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or at least I hope I've done it. Yeah. Um, yeah, pitch decks, um, customer decks. Yeah, it's all, um, you know, a great process. And I'm excited for when we grow and I have help. Uh, as I mentioned, I don't enjoy copywriting. Yeah, I get that. I'm, I, I've heard I'm good at it, uh, but that's probably because I understand how difficult it is. Uh, yes. <laughs> you respect the nature of the beast that is yeah. copywriting. I I'm, quite like copywriting for someone who is dyslexic. Yeah, um, well, that's why I ask you to do the, yeah. the stuff for this group. <laughs> and then just read over it to make sure all of it is spelt right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited as we grow to um, focus more on strategy as well because, as I said, there's major shifts coming and, you know, there's – things I want to do on the website, but I then also need the time to do them. And so if I could discuss strategy and put that together and then give that to someone else to do, that would be amazing. Mm, have a have a little underling or a, a staff member, I think they're called, team <laughs> I member. I think they're called, yeah. Mm, or like, yeah, <laughs> yeah just some a best friend <laughs> work bestie that I give everything to <laughs> yeah we currently work with a PR firm so that's one thing that I um don't do yep. I mean I, there's portions of it that I do but they are amazing and it feels so good to have um people on my team where if I might have a question about a, a publication and it's like could you please give me some information on this and I'll just come back with him. I'm like, what? Oh, whoa, what like, the heck? Even if I could just ask for something? How do you go about delegating um, after you've spent so long in a startup doing everything by yourself and kind mm. of for yourself? Has that been an interesting shift? Have you just... That's a good question because I've noticed that with the founders and I think that happens with every startup that mm. as you grow and particularly founders when it's something that you've made yeah it's um there's growing pains and there's always these these stages where it's like another almost like they're holding on a little and then and then they realize I have to let go of a little bit more yeah uh so it's yeah it's trusting the people and I think I'm fairly good at it. I've had a couple of interns um, working for me at MGA in the past um, and I try to communicate that, you know, I'm just doing my best. I'm not an expert in this. Yeah. And it's their knowledge. They're always adding something that I don't have uh, and, you know, if I give feedback, it's not like, it's not like a hard and fast, like I'm not coming down with a hammer unless yeah. it's um, – you know, something which is of significant importance. Yeah, they've posted a swear word on the LinkedIn or something. Yeah, that, would be, that wouldn't be yeah. ideal. No, <laughs> Interns no. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but just I think I would be super stoked to to hand um, the copywriting and the digital marketing <laughs> over to someone. If you're a copywriter, send an email <laughs> to MGA Thermal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, after this fundraise. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Yeah. You know, maybe get in early. Who knows? Um, so you're very passionate about sharing your experiences and helping others. Are there any other ways that you do that? Is it just this? Mm. What can other people do? What do you enjoy about this project? Mm. Give me all of the There's things. a lot of questions there, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, it's all jumbled in, you know? I was on the Hunter Diversity and Inclusion Collective Board um, for about a year there. Yeah. Uh, and I really love their mission. And there came a point with this project. 
yep. our own project where I, you know, had to make a choice, mm -hmm. spend time allocation. Uh, I also do other podcasts, like I'm guests on podcasts, sometimes for the neurodiversity piece, um, sometimes for work. Um, and yeah, it's always fun doing like panels or Q&A sessions with neurodiversity and I think for me, if someone already knows I'm autistic, I feel like the pressure for the linear thoughts is like reduced. Mm, yeah. Yeah. My and thoughts have never been linear, <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> it's like a form of masking. Like if I'm at a work talk, I'm like, I have to stay on topic. I have to communicate these things. Mm. Uh, but if, if I'm talking about neurodiversity, it's kind of like part of it that yeah. I let my brain do its thing. Uh, yeah, I've heard sometimes it's nice to listen to that sort of thing. Yeah, just just go with the flow, bounce along with the adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah, love it. What are you excited about this year that's coming up? Other than the many thousands of followers that we're going to gain for this, for this podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited for, yeah, season one of this podcast. Yep, um, season one. We're doing yeah. seasons now, everyone. Buckle up. <laughs> In my head, seasons are easier because yeah. then it's like, well, we, we can do 10 or 12 episodes and then stop. Yeah, and then bit. take a break. Yeah. Just, yeah. So I don't know if you've ever done a podcast before, but it's a, it's a lot of work. Not if you don't have to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for you. Uh, yeah, massive milestones at MGA. Um, yeah. And as I said, really big shifts. Uh, I'm really excited of the, the workplace that we've created and the growth that's going to be happening. Uh, and yeah, the marketing opportunities. I didn't think I would be someone who got into marketing. It's mm. like I mentioned that my majors weren't in marketing. Uh, but one of my favorite subjects at uni was behavioral economics and, yep. you know, behavior really slides in nicely with marketing. Uh, I, love being creative. Uh, I, as I mentioned, have a bit of an art background. I also have a lot of a music background. And so when I'm doing, um, I guess, anything audio uh, or music for videos and that sort of production, even though I haven't done production much, it is useful. And I have a vibe I know I'm going for and why that thing works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see where I am at the end of the year because every year it's always shocking with how far I've come. And Yeah, well, I'm yeah. excited too, to be honest. <laughs> it should be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like recently I've stopped caring as much about things that, like, don't matter. Mm, I'm really worried that my shame senses have uh, basically just switched off and now I'm just... I mean, that sounds amazing, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Something in my brain has broken and it's the shame part. <laughs> I really think that's ideal, but anyway. So we're living it. <laughs> Did you grow up in Newcastle? I already know the answer is technically no. Well, try to claim Newcastle region. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, everybody in the comments is near Maitland, Newcastle. <laughs> and why is the answer no? <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up on property. Um, out past well, west of Raymond Terrace. Newcastle-ish. Heavy on the ish. Well, I went to high school in Newcastle. That's true. So How long was the bus ride? Pretty it long? Was, um, it was an hour in the morning. Oh. And 
I had three buses on the way home mm. and it was about an hour and a half. To three, not like three options for buses, like you had to take, take three, three separate buses. So oh one from goodness. Broadmeadow to Mayfield and then Mayfield Raymond Terrace, as you can imagine, that was an interesting bus. Mm. Uh, and then uh, Raymond Terrace home. My goodness. I thought catching one bus was tough. Well, yeah. <laughs> now you're actually in Newcastle. Uh, have you been anywhere else? Why have you come back if you've left? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know you did leave. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Scotland for a bit um, with university and that was five months. I really, really loved it. And I loved the business school over there. I It was a different vibe um, to the business school here. And so that was with Dundee University and we now had um, – Morris Altman, who was our dean of the business school, has now gone to their business school and like has expanded their business department um, and, you know, brought global behavioural economic um, expertise there. So, look, in another life, I probably went on and did postgrad in behavioural economics. There's still time. Yep. It's um, never too late. Yeah. That's the, that's the secret. <laughs> and I love Scotland and I'd love to go back, um, but we'll just... Keep seeing how things go with MGA Thermal first. Yeah. As much as I'd love you to live your dreams, um, mm, I don't you. think you're allowed to leave, just for me personally, like purely selfishly. Like even when I started this, I kept being like, Sarah, I'm going to disappear. Oh, I'm going to go to Scotland. I was like, ha please don't. <laughs> like, yes, I'm so happy for you, but please don't do this to me. Yeah. Well, I think you're safe for now. Well, I mean, uh, not sure. <laughs> All right, well, if you got to meet eight-year-old Arden, uh, what would you tell your younger self? doesn't have to be eight. could just be 14, whatever age, 25. Right. When you're in primary school, you're like, I'm going to be an adult when I finish primary school. And then when you're in high school, you're like, wow, I'm going to be like, those year 12s are so grown up. And then you're in year 12 and you're like, well, when I finish uni, I'm going to know what I'm doing. Mm. And it's, so maybe just the whole imposter syndrome, like it's okay to not know what you're doing. And I think a lot of people don't know what they're doing. Also, you can just say things that you're not sure of. <laughs> yeah, when you don't know, it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, just like put your hand up even if you aren't certain of the answer. And that works, I think, best in the workplace too because then they want your opinion for things. And yeah. now me being the marketing person, I am the person who knows the most about marketing in the company. And so – my opinion is useful um, and it is helpful. The other tip I have in terms of career is you can literally rephrase something that someone else said and then that often at least adds your voice to the discussion but yep. it also then can sometimes spur another thought in someone else. Yep. Uh, and so even though you think you don't have anything valuable to add, you always do. It also shows that you're listening as yeah. well when you – Oh, like can yeah. summarize what someone else has said. People love being listened to. Yeah, that's like a human yeah. thing. So if you can say it back to them, they're like, yeah, yeah. But that's it. It's like swear on this podcast. <laughs> Crumbs. Yeah. <laughs> it's you're agreeing with them, mm. and they like it's that kind of confirmation bias that's yeah. happening. It's like, yeah, we think the same, even if you're doing it on purpose, so that they like you. <laughs> Use confirmation bias for good. <laughs> yeah. 
just circling back to the the neurodiversity yeah. thing um, about how you struggled as a kid, that's mm. pretty common for people, mm. especially people who get diagnosed with neurodiversity yeah. as an adult. They yeah. feel a lot of anxiety and feelings of depression and yeah. heightened stress reactions yeah. just from not fitting into that yeah. fold, which is, is really sad. Well, that's um, one of the reasons why I started seeing my psychologist was, um, I mean, I had a mentor die suddenly and that was a huge shock. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in combination with multiple other things. Uh, and then I was experiencing and I had been experiencing anxiety throughout, particularly when I was a teenager. Uh, and then just to kind of find something that fits and kind of look at my life in retrospect and be like, that's why that was like that. Oh. That's why that really sucked. Yeah. Like, you know, so many things made sense and it was, you know, even just I didn't talk until I was like three and a half. Yeah. And for my mum, probably because most of her family is autistic. Um, <laughs> um, for my mum, she's like, that's just normal. I knew you'd talk when you were ready. Yeah. Um, it's normal for her experience. Yeah. yeah. And I had an older brother who was very attentive and I had everything I needed. And mum's very good at reading babies and animals. And if they're looking at something, it probably means they want it. So, yeah. you know, there was really no need for me to speak. Uh, but, you know, sometimes... I think also looking in hindsight and realising that I had meltdowns those times that like I couldn't do anything or it felt like everything just fell apart. And I was like, why do I have these moments? Like yeah. it doesn't seem like other people have these moments where I can't do anything and the day just turns into disaster. And then I just like sit there and cry. <laughs> I have those moments, but I don't think I'm the best person to be speaking on this. <laughs> I don't know what normal is, but I've heard it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the other part is that there there is no actual normal. Mm. And like that piece I mentioned that we just put out at work being like everyone's brains are different and that's a good thing. We need different brains to solve problems differently. And whether it's neurodiversity or um, mental health or difference in experience and background or you know, if you just grew up in a different country or you grew up in a different suburb, things yeah. are different and you have a different way of approaching things. And in a global society, we really need that. Well, that's that's all of my questions. Hmm. I've I've learned a lot today. Have you? Ah, uh, some. <laughs> <laughs> I do try to listen uh, most of the time. Uh, no, that, that was good. So thanks for the interview today, Sarah. That's all right. Thank you for letting me interview you. I've, I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what, I hope it was all interesting and logical and uh, like I said, it was Friday afternoon um, and I'm going to go home and make lasagna now because you're coming over for dinner. <laughs> I love lasagna. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, going, it's going to be great. Uh, so give us a review, please, on the podcast if it's a good one. Yep. Uh I think you like can do this thing where you rate it five out of five and oh. that's pretty helpful. Yeah. But I've recently learned um, that on Spotify you need to listen to it before you can rate it. Um, so there's Well, that. I mean, if they're listening to this part, chances are they've heard the whole thing, so it shouldn't be a Let's problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're one of those people that just skips to the end of podcasts, weird flex, but all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But I'm really excited that we've now shared our story um, mm. and we've already recorded some interviews with some other amazing people from our Newcastle Women and Gender Diverse People in Tech community. Yep. And we're going to continue to speak to and interview more women or gender diverse people. So please reach out or nominate someone because yep. women do have a hard time putting themselves forward for this sort of thing. Um, so if you know someone doing amazing work, let us know and um, we'll chase them down. <laughs> In a friendly way. <laughs> <laughs> I might make them cupcakes. <laughs> well, bye. <laughs>